BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. Fox, quote, news, unquote, is reportedly set to fire at the direct instructions of Rupert Murdoch, its CEO, Suzanne Scott. Suzanne Scott has been there since launch in 1996 and has been many things. Greta Van Susteren's producer, vice president, reported sexual harassment cover-up enabler, and now designated scapegoat. Suzanne Scott figures prominently in the Dominion lawsuit depositions and texts, and since Murdoch has always made sure that whatever scandals do to his company, they will do nothing to him and nothing to his stars, she is apparently going to be the one who is thrown overboard. Still, Fox, quote, news, unquote, is not going to destroy itself may seem that way this past week especially, but it has survived everything for more than 26 years now. And if it is going to die, we are going to have to kill it so that democracy may live. So I have 10 suggestions, 10 life hacks, some of them things you can do personally at home. But let me preface this. We are up against men and women, evil men and women, confident and skilled, and from the day their propaganda machine started firing up, willing to use any influence, use any excuse, bend any arm, manipulate any government and anybody in any government to get them into a position to spread their pollution and collect their profits. It is, in fact, not much of a stretch to say, and you should know this going into this war, 
that Fox's channel exists today because of one man, Rudy Giuliani. This is a story that over the years seems to have gotten forgotten into the folds of New York City history and or cable television history. And it is important to understand it, to understand how we got here and to understand whether or not we can get back. In the days before that channel launched on October 7th, 1996, a date which will live in infamy, the major distributor of cable television in New York City and in this country was Time Warner. Time Warner Cable. There was next to no home satellite distribution of anything, so if Time Warner would not carry your channel, in many places it just would not get carried. And Time Warner was not going to carry Fox, quote, news, unquote, channel in New York. It carried CNN, which, in fact, it was about to buy from Ted Turner. It carried another new outlet called MSNBC, but it argued it was only doing that because it already had a deal in place to carry an NBC cable network called America's Talking, which NBC had closed down, much to the dismay of its executive producer, a fellow named Ailes, and put on MSNBC in its place on its cable systems. Rupert Murdoch's New York Post had also slammed various executives at Time Warner over the years, and the companies did not like each other. And even if they had, Fox had virtually no standing as a news organization. It had launched Fox News Sunday, again, Fox News in quotes, on its local stations only five months previously. That was it. There was no Fox Network News. As late as October 3rd, 1996, four days to launch, it looked as if the channel, the product of its brand new production assistant, Suzanne Scott, and its unknown radio announcer co-host of its new liberal versus conservative debate show, Sean Hannity, and all the rest of them would not be seen at all in Manhattan. Brooklyn and Bronx, maybe. And that's when... New York Mayor Rudy Giuliani said that if Time Warner would not give Fox's supposed news station a channel on its own, on its cable system, he, Giuliani, would direct that one of the five channels assigned to the city of New York to use as the city saw fit as part of the franchise that Time Warner had been granted, one of those five public access channels would carry Fox, quote, news, unquote. Time Warner threatened to sue, Fox threatened to sue, Giuliani threatened to sue, and all the while, Giuliani claimed he was only doing this because the new operation would add 1,475 new jobs in Manhattan, and maybe if they didn't carry it in Manhattan, Rupert Murdoch would move it to someplace like, I don't know, Secaucus, New Jersey. Giuliani never mentioned that Rupert Murdoch was willing to pay Time Warner $110 million for a cable channel on its system to stick Fox on just in Manhattan. And with that kind of money flying around, it was $110 million for access to 1.1 million cable subscribers. With that much money going around, God knows what the deal might have been worth to Rudy Giuliani. In any event, overnight, a deal was reached. You bet it was. And Rudy Giuliani could happily call Rupert Murdoch and tell him that Fox, quote, news, unquote, was on the air here in Fun City.
That's how, when, and where the oxymoron of Fox quote news unquote began. So now 10 life hacks as to how to bring it to an end. Some of these I've mentioned before, others are new. First, mentioned previously, Senate hearings. Into what? Into Fox, quote, news, unquote. What about Fox, quote, news, unquote? What's the difference? Call it whatever you want. Ask whatever you want. Just make sure Murdoch and Hannity and Carlson and Ingram get roughed up. Just think of what Republicans would do in the House if the Dominion documents had been about things said and written and done and lied about by people at MSNBC on behalf of Joe Biden, or better yet, Barack Obama. Just imagine Obama had not won in 2008, and then it was documented, indisputable, in-house proof that came to the surface that I had altered facts in my MSNBC scripts to make it seem like he had won, and that I was telling people America needed to go burn down Washington because Obama had been the victim of a rigged election. Just think about that. What would House Republicans do to me and MSNBC and NBC and NBC's parent corporation? That is what we need to do now to Fox, only in the Senate. Point two, also mentioned previously, the revelation in the Dominion documents that seems closest to open and shut evidence of a crime is the assertion that Rupert Murdoch showed Jared Kushner some of Joe Biden's 2020 campaign television commercials before they had been publicly seen or maybe even before they had been privately seen. That could be prosecuted as an illegal contribution in kind, the legal term for a campaign donation that is made not in money. It's not like it carries the death penalty, but it alone could be the centerpiece of the aforementioned Senate hearings into Fox. And if it really was Murdoch showed Kushner and not Murdoch had somebody else show Kushner, a creative prosecutor might be able to use it as a weapon to threaten Murdoch's American citizenship. Go nuts here. If you want to destabilize things at Fox, Rupert Murdoch has already showed us where we start. As I reported at great length earlier this week, when he wanted to shut me up about my criticism of Fox, quote, news, unquote, and Bill O'Reilly and others, he went after, not me, not my boss, not my boss's boss, not my boss's boss's boss. He went after the chairman of the parent corporation, General Electric. And rather successfully, Rupert Murdoch turns 92 years old a week from tomorrow. He's got a new girlfriend. Nothing would give him a more unhappy birthday than a challenge to his liberty and a challenge to his citizenship, even if neither goes the distance. Let's give him a new hobby. Third on the list of 10 ways to destroy Fox, quote, news, unquote. This is new. The White House Correspondents Association has to revoke Fox's White House credentials, period. It's not a news organization. It's not legitimate. It's as phony as Newsmax or OAN or Lindell TV. Maybe it's worse because on the record, in all those documents, it's clear they were perfectly aware of that they were doing things that were not close to the truth. 
the WHCA, the White House Correspondents Association, has always been loath to do something like this and couched its reluctance in terms of the First Amendment and the marketplace of ideas. But the representative of a network not just perverting the news, not just doing it deliberately, but leaving a trail of evidence a mile wide that it did so deliberately with malice aforethought deserves no protection from a journalistic association. For you kids out there, during the Bush administration, they admitted to the White House press room a guy who called himself Jeff Gannon, representing Talon News, who only asked questions like, what does the president think of Democrats helping the terrorists the way they always do? It turned out Talon News was just an offshot of a far-right pack. There were only three people working there. Gannon was one of them, and Gannon was just a male nude model actually named Jeff Guckert. Time has proven that he had more business being in the White House press room than does Peter Ducey. And not only should the White House Correspondents Association revoke all credentials from Fox, so too should the RCTA, which is the group supervising reporters covering Congress. Now, if you fear this could someday lead to a Republican administration banning a legitimate reporter, well, yeah, that could happen four years ago. It was 2018 when the White House banned Jim Acosta of CNN. Besides which, the only reason you have a reporter in the White House is network vanity. So you can show how cool you are and run the video of your guy talking. A banned network will still get its video and its sound bites. The actual substance of covering the White House requires just making sure you are recording the pool feed from the briefing room or from wherever the president is. Step four, Democrats should flatly boycott not just Fox, quote, news, unquote, never go on the channel, but boycott all News Corp properties, local Fox TV stations, the Wall Street Journal, the New York Post, the whole thing. A lot of Democrats have gone on Fox to prove their mettle or something, or in the mistaken belief that they can say something that will cut through to the conservative audience. Well, they can't. And as much as I respect and defer to the work of Greg Sargent of the Washington Post, who wrote yesterday that Democrats should not boycott, but should go on Fox, but with a plan to confront the hosts and stir up angry and create exactly the kind of viral moments you see Republicans try to manufacture on CNN, ABC, CBS, NBC, anywhere there's a camera. The problem with that is, how many Democrats are any damn good at creating viral moments? And if one actually created one at Fox's expense, that would be the last time they'd ever be invited to go on Fox. I'm asking a lot out of the Democrats this week. Now we want them to be good at creating viral moments? Step five to sink Fox. It's not a huge issue, but non-news media types, sports people, retired journalists hawking your memoirs, I don't want to see you on Fox, quote, news, unquote. They are not your friends. Stephen A. Smith, this means you. Sean Hannity may be your real-life friend, I suppose. I actually thought this one about Hannity. In fact, as recently as 2009, and there are photographs, and I am embarrassed by them. He is not your friend. He was not my friend. Moreover, if something arose 
And by selling you out, he could divert attention from the Dominion scandal for one day before you knew it, Stephen. You would be on sale at Sean Hannity's house for $4.99 a pound. Step six. This is also not a huge issue. There aren't that many media reporters anymore and certainly very few TV critics. There used to be dozens and dozens and every newspaper and every website had one and sometimes two. The New York Times had like five TV reporters. But they, the ones that remain anyway, and the political reporters who cover Fox, quote, news, unquote, and give a damn about this country, need to stop viewing them and presenting them in their work as a news organization. They are not. That's the point. If you must cover them, things happen on there that have some news value. You must cover them as you do Newsmax and OAN and Lindell TV and Steve Bannon, even if it's just symbolic, even Oliver Darcy of CNN, even if you just convince your bosses that it would be good gamesmanship just to put quotes around news, as I have in this piece. So the headline actually reads... Fox, quotation mark, news, quotation mark. Step seven, concomitant with that, there is a more meta version. I started suggesting this to my masters at MSNBC in 1998. I said that Fox was not news and that in boasting about their own ratings, they should not compare themselves to Fox. I said, you don't compare our ratings to the cartoon channel. Why do you compare them to Fox? CNN should be who we compare ourselves to. CNN should be in competition with MSNBC. And CNN and MSNBC should, I guess, be in competition with whatever's left of headline news and, I don't know, News Nation. Just make it up. It's TV. Put those ratings out. Declare yourselves number one or two. You had ratings 14 times the size of News Nation. And you continued your 78th consecutive month in first place, MSNBC. Just do it. Leave Fox out of it. Eight, now to the three things you can do as you play the home version of the Let's Destroy Fox game. From my own days doing this at NBC, it is clear that the performative hosts on the network cannot be shamed. That's how they got their jobs. Do you think Tucker Carlson is capable of feeling shame? How, you ask as you wring your hands, does Sean Hannity sleep at night? On a bed made out of money. That's how. However, there are people at Fox who genuinely think they are journalists. Somehow, they think themselves walled off from the poisoning of America done by everybody else over there in that sort of direction. Brett Baer once approached me at a White House correspondence dinner, affably and respectfully, seemed like a really nice guy, and explained to me, as if he were talking to a third grader, that there really were two networks at Fox, as if I did not understand the delusion under which he and the likes of Shepard Smith and Chris Wallace and even Britt Hume in those days actually had to operate or go insane. So they are the people to humiliate in social media, Brit Hume and that Harris Faulkner. And I guess there are other people who still think they are journalists. The reporters, for instance, these people believe they still have reputations to uphold. Make that impossible. Shame a Fox non-opinion journalist today. And 
you boycott all the Fox stations and their advertisers. Your local Fox station, the network, the sports operation, the Wall Street Journal. Laura Ingram does not give a damn whether you like her or not. And Lord knows that ship sailed decades ago. But many of the others really do care if you don't like them. Step nine. Angelo Carasone, who is the president of Media Matters for America, notes that there are still about 90 million cable subscribers in this country. They, okay, we, all pay money to Fox via our cable outlet for Fox, quote, news, unquote. Fox gets paid not by its viewers, but by all cable subscribers in this country. 90 million cable subscribers? Three million of them actually watch the swill on Fox. The other 87 million still pay about $1.72 a month, a little over $20 a year that goes to keeping Fox alive. That's $1.7 billion a year we pay to not watch the crap on Fox. Now, You can pick up the phone and try to protest to your cable carrier about this, but I do not know which number button to press. And I don't have a spare 48 hours to try to do it telephonically. But more practically, there is a website called unfoxmycablebox.com. Unfoxmycablebox. One word, which will show you how to let your cable provider that you know that you don't want to underwrite the channel that cannot survive without those fees of $1.7 billion from the people who are paying to not watch it. Conveniently, something like half of the Fox subscriber contracts with the cable carriers are up for renegotiation in about the next 12 months. Of course, there's a far simpler solution even than going to unfoxmybox.com. Join the cord cutters. Go to streaming services. Leave cable carriers altogether. Keep your $20 and keep it out of Rupert's pocket and keep all the other money you've been giving the cable carriers. And step 10 is, again, simultaneously symbolic yet deeply meaningful. Whatever they call their channel, you do not have to call it that. Fox Nudes? Fox Noise. Faux news, effed news, fake news, Fox knows. Whatever works. Call it that to your friends, your family, online, on the street, talking to others, talking to yourself. It can work in a million different ways. In all of American history, virtually all of the bullies of media, from Father Coughlin to Walter Winchell to Bill O'Reilly, lost their microphones, their pulpits, and their jobs when one day, years and years and years of mockery finally reached a tipping point. Each of these people went to bed one night as feared monarchs of their realms. The next morning they woke up has-beens. Which brings us back to Rudy Giuliani and one of his first evident bits of public corruption, 1996, the one by which Fox, quote, news, unquote, was born, when people still took Rudy Giuliani seriously and stuff was not schwitzing down his face at press conferences and he hadn't gone to Four Seasons landscaping yet. And 
he hadn't been banned by Fox, quote, news, unquote. But no, this channel, this blight on mankind, this threat to all of our freedoms is not going to destroy itself. But we can help. Still ahead of us in this edition of Countdown, what the Justice Department decision, sure, you can sue Trump for damages on January 6th, what that means and what it doesn't. A true American hero is saying goodbye. Daniel Ellsberg announces he is in hospice care. Just when the New York Rangers Pride Night fiasco story was beginning to calm down, it has reignited. And it's Friday with Thurber and how the great writer turned a handyman with a German accent into a terrifying character who, quote, traffics with the devil. The black magic of Barney Holler ahead. That's next. This is Countdown. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. (laughs) I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All my friends love it. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. My crazy friend. 
Postscripts to the news. Tony, some headlines, some updates, some snarks, some predictions. Dateline, the House Subcommittee on the Weaponization of Government. First came the news that Jim Jordan's little dog and pony show had no staff and had been unable to schedule any further hearings. Now CNN is reporting that the, quote, dozens of FBI whistleblowers the subcommittee claims to have lined up are actually a couple of guys who were suspended by the FBI for being at the Capitol on January 6th and three others whose claims have not been validated by the government entities which grant federal whistleblower protection. One of them, in fact, had his claim of whistleblower protection rejected. Another is retired, and it's unclear if he has firsthand knowledge or is just repeating stuff he heard somewhere. And a third is named George Hill, a retired FBI agent who last December tweeted, insurrection my ass. It was a setup, and sadly, there's no shortage of idiots willing to take the bait. He retweeted a comment that, quote, patriots were the only ones trying to stop the fake insurrection violence being committed by implanted Antifa, Pelosi's buddies. So that'd be why there's no second hearing scheduled? Good work, Jim. Thank you, Nancy Faust. Dateline, the Department of Justice, two U.S. Capitol Police and 11 Democratic members of the House sued Trump for damages for injuries and trauma on January 6th because he incited the violence. Trump claimed a president has absolute immunity for anything he says while in office. The court asked the Department of Justice for an opinion on whether or not the suit could continue. DOJ now says, yes, it can. Quote, speaking to the public on matters of public concern is a traditional function of the presidency, but the traditional function is one of public communication. It does not include incitement of imminent private violence. So while it's important and encouraging that the Justice Department believes a president can be sued for and can be guilty of incitement, it does not mean the department thinks this one is guilty of. And Dateline Berkeley, things change faster than you'll ever realize. And while once every culturally aware person in this country knew of the Pentagon Papers and Daniel Ellsberg, it's less true today. Ellsberg, though, was a true hero who copied thousands of pages of Pentagon documents over spans of years and gave them to the New York Times, Washington Post, and other newspapers. At a time when the government was still insisting the Vietnam War was being won, or it could be, the Pentagon Papers spelled out that not only was that not true, but that the Pentagon had known it was not true for years and had been lying about that. Reminiscent, in fact, of Fox, quote, news, unquote, and the big lie. Yesterday, Daniel Ellsberg, whose 92nd birthday is April 7th, tweeted that last month he was unexpectedly diagnosed with inoperable pancreatic cancer and that he had been given three to six months to live. Mr. Ellsberg said he had decided against chemotherapy and was preparing for hospice care. And the good news, he said, was his cardiologist said there's obviously no reason he has to stick to his salt-free diet now. And so he is eating his favorite foods for the first time in six years. I met and interviewed Daniel Ellsberg once, and I told him to his face he was one of my heroes and a true American patriot. And he told me he watched nightly. 
Typical of him, Daniel Ellsberg was upbeat with this sad news. He wrote that when he copied the Pentagon Papers in 1969, he expected he might spend the rest of his life in prison. So he had no complaints. And he thanked those working in anti-war and anti-nuclear movements, and he told them to please keep going. Godspeed, Daniel Ellsberg. This is Sports Center. Wait, check that. Not anymore. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. In sports, you may recall that twice National Hockey League teams have screwed up their Pride Night events this season, most notoriously at Madison Square Garden, where the New York Rangers, at the last moment, decided against wearing the warm-up uniforms with numbering and lettering in rainbow colors that they've worn at every other Pride Night because an as-yet unidentified Rangers player had objected. Now, the Rangers may have a bigger problem. Twitter account at Rangers Trash identifies as a lesbian and a hockey watcher and is clearly from the tweets devoted to the New York Rangers. Now she writes, quote, feels like the perfect time to reveal that after the Pride Jersey fiasco, NYR, New York Rangers admin, messaged me asking me to control my, quote, contemporaries, a.k.a. rightfully upset queer people, And then she told me that actually homophobes are nicer than the queer people who were upset, unquote. This person then posted screenshots of direct messages she attributes to Jill Eisner, the Rangers' social media person, which read, quote, There are many ways to express feelings without telling a social media manager to F themselves. Would appreciate you clarifying that matter with some of your contemporaries. To be totally honest, we get a lot more disrespect from people who think they're on the right or fair side of this argument than the homophobes. Just something to think about. No contest either, unquote. Now, it's just me here, but I would translate that as, quote, you're gay and I need you to get the other gay people to behave. My God, the Rangers. And as the world of sports on television continues to teeter on bankruptcy, the AT&T regional networks, the Bally Sports Networks, could go out of business four weeks from today. And yet the fan will still then have to struggle to find the game he wants to watch somewhere across an endless spectrum of cable networks and channels and broadcast networks and channels and streams and websites. CNBC reports that my alma mater has a plan. In a sourced story, CNBC says ESPN has, quote, held conversations with major sports leagues and media partners about launching a feature on ESPN.com and its ESPN app that will link users directly to where a live sporting event is streaming, unquote. That's even if it's not a game being carried on an ESPN network. Can't figure out where that Canucks-Sharks game is being televised or streamed? Well, you'd go to ESPN and click on the, the game, and you'd be forwarded to whichever site was carrying it. So it would become a kind of TV guide, or I could probably try to find a reference newer than 1990, a kind of drudge report of sports. Plus, we could get an ESPN promo for it, voiced by my high school classmate. Hi, I'm Chris Boomer Berman. What? 
can't find your game? Did you have to go back, 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 back to six different websites? You know, duh, duh, duh. Or did your team's regional network go bankrupt? Did it do the old Bert Be Home by Chapter Bly Levin? Well, use our new feature on ESPN Plus Plus Plus, and you could go all the way to where the game is being streamed. Soon we'll add current temperature and atmospheric conditions as well, so you can say, You're with me, weather. You're with me, weather. Come on, I'm, I've known the guy 51 years. I can do an impression of him and not have him get all honked off about it. And if he does, I'll just show all the pictures from when we were in high school together. You're with me, weather. I like to think of this as an intellectual podcast. Ahead, Fridays with Thurber and the Thurber character who had his own pet thunderstorm. First time for the daily round of the miscreants, morons, and Dunning-Kruger effect specimens who constitute today's worst persons in the world. The bronze, the Jacksonville Jaguars of the National Football League, they've got rats. The NFL Players Association released a survey of 1,300 players rating their working conditions in eight different categories. Most of the categories dealt with training and practice facilities, and the headline of this story was, to quote the survey, when asked what the number one thing they want changed at their facility was, the Jaguars player's answer was unanimous, get rid of the rats. The Jags have a rat problem in their stadium and at their practice facility, and for three or four weeks during last season, the rats basically owned the locker room and the laundry hampers. Speaking of which, the runner-up, Nick Dyer, press person for Barney Rubble's body double, Congresswoman Marjorie Trader Greene, CNN fact-checking maven Daniel Dale asked this Dyer for a comment about Greene's latest faux pas, in which she blamed the fentanyl deaths of two people in 2020 on Joe Biden, who was, uh, you know, not president in 2020, wasn't even in a government anywhere. Dale writes that, quote, Dyer responded by saying lots of people have died from drugs under Biden and, quote, do you think they give an F about your bullshit fact checking? Nick Dyer's Facebook page, incidentally, has a colorful illustration of the phrase Jesus saves. Must be a different Jesus. But our winner, Florida Governor Ron DeFascist. This is how it all starts throughout history. DeSantis has run the state the way Huey Long used to run Louisiana, and the even littler politicians in Florida now are trying to emulate him. One proposed a bill that would make illegal any political party that ever included support for slavery in its platform, as the antebellum Democratic Party did in the 1850s. Democratic Party would be illegal in Florida. Now, State Senator Jason Brodeur has introduced Bill 1316 on information dissemination. It would order bloggers who write about DeSantis or other key state politicians to register with the state government and meticulously report to the state government how much they got paid and by whom or they would face fines of up to $2,500 for each blog post they did not report to the government. 
Okay, so this is by definition fascism. And not to put too fine a point on it, but I think by now it's fair to declare Florida a a failed rogue state and send in troops and busloads of bureaucrats to remove DeSantis and uh, stormtroopers and just run the place until democracy can be restored in Florida. Ron, the proverbial small man in search of a balcony DeSantis, today's worst person in the world! BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. number one story on the countdown and it's Fridays with Thurber and only occasionally did the great American humorist bend towards the supernatural. Lots of Thurber's characters, like his fictionalized version of his own mother, claim to get messages from beyond the grave and stuff like that. But rarely did Thurber ever go occult in the first person. This is not true in one of my all-time favorites of his stories, The Black Magic of Barney Holler, in which a slight accent turns into something that is just right up against the line of being actually a little scary, but still hilarious. The Black Magic of Barney Holler 
by James Thurber. It was one of those hot days on which the earth is uninhabitable. Even as early as 10 o'clock in the morning, even on the hill where I live under the dark maples, the long porch was hot, and the wicker chair I sat in complained hotly. My coffee was beginning to wear off, and with it, the momentary illusion it gives that things are right and life is good. There were sultry mutterings of thunder. I had a quick feeling that if I looked up from my book, I would see Barney Haller. I looked up, and there he was, coming along the road, lightning playing about his shoulders, thunder following him like a dog. Barney is, or was, my hired man. He is strong and amiable, sweaty and dependable, slowly and heavily confident. But he is also eerie. He traffics with the devil. His ears twitch when he talks, but it isn't so much that as the things he says. Once in late June, when all of a moment sabers began to flash brightly in the heavens and bowling balls rumbled, I took refuge in the barn. I always have a feeling that I am going to be struck by lightning and either riven like an old apple tree or left with a foot that aches in rainy weather and a habit of fainting. These things happen. Barney came in not to escape the storm to which he is, or pretends to be, indifferent, but to put the scythe away. Suddenly he said the first of those things that made me, when I was with him, faintly creepy. He pointed at the house. Once I see this boat come down to rock, he said. It is phenomena like that of which I stand in constant dread. Boats coming down rocks. People being teleported. Statues dripping blood. Old regrets and dreams in the form of luna moths fluttering against the windows at midnight. Of course, I finally figured out what Barney meant. Or what I comforted myself with believing he meant. Something about a bolt coming down the lightning rod on the house. A commonplace and utterly natural thing. I should have dismissed it, but it had its effect on me. Here was a stolid man, smelling of hay and leather, who talked like somebody out of Charles Fort's books, or like a traveler back from Oz. And all the time, the lightning was zigging and zagging around him. On this hot morning, when I saw Barney coming along with his faithful storm trudging behind him, I went back frowningly to my copy of Swan's Way. I hoped that Barney, seeing me absorbed in a book, would pass by without saying anything. I read, I myself seemed actually to have become the subject of my book, a church, a quartet, the rivalry between Francis I and Charles V. I could feel Barney standing looking at me, but I didn't look at him. This morning, by and by, said Barney, I go hunt gratches in the woods. That's fine, I said, and turned a page and pretended to be engrossed in what I was reading. Barney walked on. He had wanted to talk some more, but he walked on. After a paragraph or two, his words began to come between me and the words in the book. Bime by, I go hunt grotches in de woods. If you are susceptible to such things, it is not difficult to visualize grotches. They fluttered into my mind. Ugly little creatures about the size of whippoorwills only covered with blood and honey and the scrapings of church bells. 
grotches. Who and what, I wondered, really was this thing in the form of a hired man that kept anointing me ominously in passing with abracadabra? Barney didn't go toward the woods at once. He weeded the corn. He picked apple boughs off, off the lawn. He knocked a yellow jacket's nest down out of a plum tree. It was raining now, but he didn't seem to notice it. He kept looking at me out of the corner of his eye, and I kept looking at him out of the corner of my eye. What time is it, please? He called to me finally. I put down my book and sauntered out to him. When you go for those grotches, I said firmly, I'll go with you. I was sure he wouldn't want me to go. I was right. He protested that he could get the grotches himself. I'll go with you, I said stubbornly. We stood looking at each other, and then abruptly, just to give him something to ponder over, I quoted, I'm going out to clean the pasture spring. I'll only stop to take the leaves away and wait to watch the water clear, I may. I shan't be gone long. You come too. It wasn't, I realized, very good abracadabra, but it served. Barney looked at me in a puzzled way. Yes, he said vaguely. It's five minutes of twelve, I said, remembering he had asked. Then we go, he said, and we trudged through the rain over to the orchard fence and climbed that and opened a gate and went out into the meadow that slopes up to the woods. I had a prefiguring of Barney at some proper spot deep in the woods, prancing around like a goat casting off his false nature, shedding his hired man's garments, dropping his Teutonic accent, repeating diabolical phrases, conjuring up grotches. There was a great slash of lightning and a long bumping of thunder as we reached the edge of the woods. I turned and fled. Glancing over my shoulder, I saw Barney standing and staring after me. It turned out, on the face of it, to be as simple as the boat that came down the rock. Grotches were crotches, crotched saplings, which he cut down to use as supports under the peach boughs, because in bearing time they become so heavy with fruit that there was danger of the branches snapping off. I saw Barney later putting the crotches in place. We didn't have much to say to each other. I can see now that he was beginning to suspect me too. About six o'clock next evening, I was alone in the house and sleeping upstairs. Barney rapped on the door of the front porch. I knew it was Barney because he called to me. I woke up slowly. It was dark for six o'clock. I heard rumblings and saw flickerings. Barney was standing at the front door with his storm at heel. I had the conviction that it wasn't storming anywhere except around my house. There couldn't, without the intervention of the devil or one of his agents, be so many lightning storms in one neighborhood. I had been dreaming of Proust and the church at Cambrai and Madeleine's dipped in tea and the rivalry between Francis I and Charles V. My head whirled and I didn't get up. Barney kept on rapping. He called out again. There was a flash, followed by a sharp splitting sound. Now I leaped up. This time I thought, he is here to get me. I had a notion that he was standing at the door barefooted, with a wreath of grape leaves around his head and a wild animal's skin slung over his shoulder. I didn't want to go down, but I did. 
He was, as usual, solid, amiable, dressed like a hired man. I went out onto the porch and looked at the improbable storm now on in all of its fury. This is getting pretty bad, I said, meaningly. Barney looked at the rain placidly. Well, I said irritably, what's up? Barney turned his little squinty blue eyes on me. We go to the Gaddock now and become warbs, he said. The hell we do, I thought to myself quickly. I was uneasy. I was, you might even say, terrified, but I determined not to show it. If he began to chant incantations or to make obscene signs or if he attempted to sling me over his shoulder, I resolved to plunge right out into that storm, lightning and all, and run to the nearest house. I didn't know what they would think at the nearest house when I burst in upon them or what I would tell them, but I didn't intend to accompany this amiable-looking fiend to any garrick and become a warb. I tried to persuade myself that there was some simple explanation, that warbs would turn out to be as innocuous as boats on rocks and grotches in the woods. But the conviction gripped me in the growling of the thunder that here at last was the moment when Barney Holler, or whoever he was, had chosen to get me. I walked toward the steps that led to the lawn and turned and faced him grimly. Listen, I barked suddenly. Did you know that even when it isn't brillig, I can produce slithy toves? Did you happen to know that the Momrath never lived that could outgrabe me? Yeah, and furthermore, I can become anything I want to. Even if I were a warb, I wouldn't have to keep on being one if I didn't want to. I can become a playing card at will, too. Once I was the jack of clubs, only I forgot to take my glasses off and some guy recognized me. I... Barney was backing slowly away toward the petunia box at one end of the porch. His little blue eyes were wide. He saw that I had him. I think I go now, he said, and he walked out into the rain. The rain followed him down the road. I have a new hired man now. Barney never came back to work for me after that day. Of course, I figured out, finally, what he meant about the Garrick and the Warbs. He had simply got horribly mixed up in trying to tell me that he was going up to the Garrett and clear out the wasps, of which I have thousands. The new hired man is afraid of them. Barney could have scooped them up in his hands and thrown them out a window without getting stung. I am sure he trafficked with the devil. But I am sorry I let him go. Thank you for listening. Countdown has come to you from the studios of the Elderman Broadcasting Empire high atop its headquarters in the Sports Capsule Building here in New York. Here are our credits. Most of the music was arranged, produced, and performed by Brian Ray and John Philip Chanel, who are the Countdown Musical Directors, produced by TKO Brothers. All orchestration and keyboards by John Philip Chanel, guitars, bass, and drums by Brian Ray. Other Beethoven selections have been arranged and performed by No Horns Allowed. The sports music is the Olbermann theme from ESPN2. It was written by Mitch Warren Davis, courtesy of ESPN Inc. Musical comments by Nancy Faust, the best baseball stadium organist ever. Our announcer today was Tony Kornheiser. Everything else is pretty much my fault. 
So that's countdown for this, the 787th day since Donald Trump's first attempted coup against the democratically elected government of the United States. Arrest him now while we still can. The next scheduled countdown is Monday, and until then, I'm Keith Olbermann. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and good luck. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep.